We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on an ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she will choose life. But she can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside her. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Jenna Ellis in the morning on American Family Radio. I love talking about the things of God because of truth and the biblical worldview. The U.S. Constitution obligates our government to preserve and protect the rights that our founders recognize come from God our Creator, not our government. I believe that Scripture in the Bible is very clear that God is the one that raised up each of you, and God has allowed us to be brought here to this specific moment in time. This is Jenna Ellis in the morning. Well, good morning and happy Friday morning. It is post the red versus blue debate that happened on Fox News late last night. And if you tuned in and I watched the entire debate, which lasted over 90 minutes, uh, it was very enlightening. And in, in in this sense, Governor Gavin Newsom, who represented California, the leftist blue progressive agenda, the Biden-Harris administration, uh, as he said, and he was defending that, had literally no responses. He kept saying he would answer questions. He never got to the questions. He kept saying, I'll get to that. He never did. And, And Sean Hannity, who moderated, I thought was trying to be far too, um, unbiased that he didn't quite press Newsom enough. He tried a couple of times, but he also interrupted Governor DeSantis trying to press Newsom on actually giving a response and then just kept moving on. And here's the one thing that always frustrates me about these types of debate formats is that you the the moderator tries to get through all of the questions and all of the material so fast because they run out of time. 90 minutes really isn't that long of a time, even between just two uh, individuals on stage, that they move move on and it allowed Gavin Newsom to simply filibuster his way and get some campaign style related talking points in and some kind of snake oily salesman uh, type of rhetoric in that he never truly answered substantively. Whereas Governor DeSantis had very clear, solid responses talking about why freedom matters in this country, why conservatism is the only way to actually govern a state. And he had the facts, he had the figures, he even had Yes, a poop map of San Francisco. This was hilarious where he actually held up a map of San Francisco that apparently there is an app that you can go on and see where human feces are located all across San Francisco so that you can avoid them. And he was asking Governor Newsom to respond and say, why have you allowed the beautiful state of California to go so far into decline? And Gavin Newsom just perpetually lied. He showed that he is a pathological liar and that the only thing that the leftist progressive agenda brings is a kind of sleazy campaign style rhetoric that has no substance whatsoever in civil governing. So it was very fascinating. And I think we actually got to some enlightening a worldview 
contrast because you saw very clearly the differences between the conservative responses for how Governor DeSantis was so proud of the state of Florida and how freedom and prosperity is flourishing versus Gavin Newsom, who had zero responses for the murder rate, the crime rate, the homelessness, the bad economy, and how many people are leaving California. So I want to welcome in my first guest now, Carly Atchison, who is a national spokesperson for Governor Ron DeSantis's campaign. So Carly, um, good morning. And I thought Governor Gavin or uh, Governor Ron DeSantis rather did very well, and uh, Governor Newsom just uh, just really failed. And and I think a lot of people who wanted to suggest that this wasn't overall going to be that enlightening, um, at least in the social media and the media response last night and this morning, uh, really handed it to Governor DeSantis and said that he did really well. Well, good morning, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me on. You're absolutely right. I mean, it was just a masterclass from Ron DeSantis on how to uh, beat the left with facts. This is something that uh, Ron DeSantis has been doing his entire time he's been involved in politics, but great to get in front of a national audience last night and showcase, you know, why he's been able to be so successful as a governor, why he's been able to, you know, bring people into the fold in terms of uniting the party around him. Remember, Florida uh, was not always a red state. There weren't always super majorities in Florida. Um, this was a purple state, reliably purple state that Ron DeSantis made into a solidly red state. And so, I think Americans are craving somebody who is going to be honest with them, um, be honest with them about the realities and and really take on the big issues um, with something that's going to make their lives better. Um, And Ron DeSantis made that case last night for why the conservative agenda, the Florida model, is the way forward. He's the only one who's delivered on it, and it sets him apart from every other uh, person in the race on the both the Republican and the Democrat side. And that includes Gavin Newsom, because we all know he's absolutely running for president. <laughs> yeah. And, and they address that in terms of uh, the shadow campaign. And uh, and and of course, I think Gavin Newsom did what he had to do, which was continue to just deny that and to say that he is there advocating for the Biden-Harris administration and to actually stand on that stage and say that uh, that the that Biden's policies have helped the state of California. I mean, I could almost hear from all the way across the country, Californians just literally screaming and saying, you are a liar. That is ridiculous. But uh, Carly, how did Governor DeSantis prepare for this debate? I mean, can you give us kind of an inside look into the background? Uh, I mean, this has been a rivalry that has been building uh, towards last night for a while. Right. Well, first, this started, as you pointed out, um, about a year ago. And Gavin Newsom has been doing a lot of chirping about Ron DeSantis. And so, um, you know, when Sean Hannity presented the opportunity to Ron DeSantis, he said, let's do it. That's been his stand on any of these debates, any debate, anywhere, anytime. And look, I'll give Gavin Newsom credit because he did stand up there. He showed up. He defended his record. Um, not everybody can say the same, including Donald Trump, who refuses still to debate and defend his record. Um, I think it's very clear from last night's debate, there was no better messenger, no better fighter for our side as Republicans than Ron DeSantis. And I think maybe for a lot of people, they're starting to see uh, Ron DeSantis, not just as governor of Florida, but as president and as somebody they can get behind and see leading the country on the path of the Florida model, taking that model, taking it to the White House 
and all across the country. And you're, it was laughable to watch Gavin Newsom um, give Joe Biden an A for his um, execution as, as president of the United States. Everybody knows that that's a lie. The economy is worse than it's ever been, um, no matter how many times the press secretary stands behind that podium and says prices are down. That's not the reality on the ground. Americans are feeling the pressure from inflation when they talk about how many jobs they created. Those are jobs that they all destroyed during COVID. Um, and so he's an absolute liar, but there's no better messenger for our side to make our case than Ron DeSantis. And I think people are starting to see that and they're starting to realize if we want to actually move this country forward, have somebody who's going to not just talk about the things he's going to do, but do them, not just provide lip service, but provide action, then we need a President DeSantis. Yeah, and, and Carly, I think that uh, th- that analysis is, is totally true, that they're seeing, uh, voters across the country are seeing the clear contrast between the two fundamental ideologies of the purpose of government, and the purpose of government either being to control, uh, like the left wants to do, and to uh, shut down on a whim to use emergency orders um, out of their, their legislative purpose, to continue to uh, not clean up uh, their states, address any of these issues issues unless, as Governor DeSantis pointed out, the president of China visits and and then that's okay. And then a clear contrast between the conservative purpose, which is to promote freedom and the liberty. And they got into uh, parental rights and the LGBTQ uh, movement and that whole agenda, particularly in um, schools. And I thought that was one of the most clear contrasts as well. And this is uh, what Governor DeSantis said on parental rights in California. I thought this was one of his strongest responses. This is cut three. They're doing, but let me just say something about parents' rights, because he it's says funny. California respects parents' rights. This is rich. He's been telling a lot of whoppers tonight. This may be the biggest. In California, if you're a parent in Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina, mm, your minor choice. child can go to California without your knowledge or without your consent and get hormone therapy, puberty blockers, and a sex change operation all without you knowing or consenting. How in the heck is that honoring parents' rights when you're bringing people from out of state to go around their parents' backs and getting life-altering surgeries? That is radical. That is extreme. That is an assault on parents' rights. You know what? Ron, not this for is, you to decide. These, it's for the what? parents to it's decide. The, you know what? And the these parents do not want, want to kids. survive. And Carly, then Governor Newsom went on and, and was asking and basically yelling at, at Governor DeSantis about decency. And I was screaming at my TV going, decency? You think it's decent to, to cut off kids' genitalia that young? I mean, talk about decency. I think that that, in that clip that you just played, you heard not just a governor, not just a presidential candidate. You heard a father. You heard a fighter. You heard somebody who is so passionate about protecting the innocence of our kids. This is a personal issue um, to First Lady DeSantis and to Ron DeSantis. They have a seven, five, and a three-year-old. And when you're talking about taking away the innocence of our kids, um, that hits home for him. And so you heard that passion. Um, But you're absolutely right. He was voicing the frustration of parents all across the country who know that it is absolutely wrong to have a government somewhere out not <laughs> that they didn't even vote for, by the way, um, do this 
kind of surgery, this life-changing surgery or the hormone therapies on their child. And so I think that you saw a fighter, you heard a father, um, and that connected with a lot of people. Uh, the other thing I want to go back to your point uh, you made earlier, this is the problem with the left, liberal politicians, and maybe just politicians in general. Rules for thee, but not for me. And that was the name of the game for Gavin Newsom during COVID. That's the name of the game for all these Democrats who are talking about, oh, Bidenomics, the economy is doing great. Maybe they are at the top 1%, which they are all the elite, but not all the American families who are suffering from high prices at the gas station, at the grocery store, all the policies that they push, that they claim help are hurting the very people they're trying to protect. And meanwhile, as Gavin Newsom exemplified during COVID, he had lockdown mandates and he went to the French Laundry, a nice restaurant in L.A. And Ron DeSantis pointed that out last night. So that hypocrisy, uh, people are sick of it. They're fed up of being told what to do by the government and then their government playing by a separate set of rules. And so, Carly Atchison, in the last few minutes I have with you, um, obviously last night was very important for Governor DeSantis in terms of getting his message of strong conservatism, his leadership in the state of Florida to have the Florida blueprint go nationally uh, for his presidential campaign. Did he accomplish in front of the American people in that type of format Contrasting that to the the prior GOP debates, uh, where he basically uh, mostly agrees, or at least more so than Gavin Newsom with the people on the stage, did he accomplish what he needed to in front of that audience to propel him uh, forward in the presidential primary? I absolutely believe that he did. I think most Americans who watch believe that he did. Um, He's had strong debates throughout this entire primary. Uh, But at the same time, this was a unique circumstance where you had uh, right versus left. What what is the future of America? Are we going to go down the path um, of further decline because we're going to let the government just continue to run our lives and make decisions for us? Or are we going to go down the path of individual liberties, freedom, um, and electing somebody who is going to trust parents to make decisions for their kids, uh, bring back the middle class, revive the American dream? Um, And so that was on clear display last night. And it wasn't just lip service and talk. It was facts. Governor DeSantis was able to point to his record and make his case for why he's going to be able to go into the White House on day one, serve for eight years, and get all of these things done. And Americans are craving somebody who is actually going to deliver on the things that they promised and going to make their lives better. There's one person who's been able to do that and who can do that. And that's Ron DeSantis. I think he made his case last night. Well, Carly Atchison, thanks so much. And and I agree with you. I think there was also a clear contrast between what was spoken last night versus some of the rhetoric from the Trump campaign that is basically a personal uh, revenge tour that has been more the messaging from the Trump campaign rather than Governor DeSantis, who is saying, this is what I'm going to do for America and for to, to genuinely solve the problems of concerned parents. Uh, they spoke about pro-life, and we'll get to more of that uh, with my next guest on the flip side of the break. So we'll be right back to break down all of this red versus blue debate here on Jenna Ellis in the morning.
Finally, some good news. Because of you, Preborn has rescued over 44,000 babies this year alone. Right now, thousands of mothers are awaiting birth of their precious babies, and thousands upon thousands of babies are taking their first breath. Since its beginnings, Preborn's networks of clinics has rescued over 270,000 babies. That is a miracle. The overturning of Roe versus Wade only made the left more ravenous for the blood of the innocent. So now we need to be more passionate to save babies. Thanks to Preborn, we can do just that. For $28, you can empower a mother to choose life. Once she sees the precious life growing inside of her and hears her baby's heartbeat, she is twice as likely to choose life. And right now, through your match, your gift is doubled. Please give your most generous gift that will go 100% toward life. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he was really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, and oh, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. <laughs> that was Governor Ron DeSantis in one of the great moments defending the conservative record out of the state of Florida, contrasting that to the decline that we all have observed, regardless of party, regardless of partisan politicking. We all know the differences between the ideological underpinnings of the governance of California versus Florida and that those policies in California are simply not best for human flourishing and for freedom and the liberty, parental rights, uh, for freedom of speech, for any of these uh, rights that are protected by the government or, or that our constitution actually obligates our government to protect. And that contrast was on display last night in the red versus blue debate that was moderated by Sean Hannity between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. So I'm going to bring in my next guest, uh, my good friend Bill Mitchell, who is a uh, is supporting Governor DeSantis for president, and he is a conservative uh, voice. He's the CEO and of uh, Your Voice News and has a really great program there. So, uh, Bill Mitchell, overall, um, what did you think of the debate and your your thoughts uh, across the over 90 minutes? Yeah. Hey, Jenna. Good to see you. Um, yeah, this was an epic performance by Governor DeSantis, uh, which was completely unsurprising to those of us who uh, – know him and follow him. Uh, he is an intellectual juggernaut. Uh, he can give an entire one-minute speech uh, just, you know, off the top of his head. He doesn't even need a teleprompter. Uh, but I think what was so startling about this, th th this was not just your typical cult of personality, you know, thing versus Trump, you know, versus Sanders, but this was really red versus blue. This was a, um, a battle of, of ideas about, you know, where is America's future? Is America, you know, future on the red side? Is it on the blue side? I think DeSantis made an excellent case for why uh, his policies out of Florida are um, better than, than Newsom's policies out of uh, California. And nothing, um, nothing uh, demonstrated that better than the hilarious poop map out of uh, San Francisco and to which was amazing to me that when 
Governor DeSantis held it up and said, listen, this, this is a, a graphical representation of the human feces that is, you know, littering the streets of San Francisco. And Gavin Newsom actually smirked and laughed and smiled at that. So I, I think that really was very representative of the dark heart of the left, that they really don't care about our values and our decency as Americans. All they care about is their liberal agenda. So I thought this was a tour de force. Uh, Mark Levin came out and said, you know, this was an epic beatdown uh, by DeSantis over uh, Newsom. I think he went on all the points. And as I looked at the criticisms across um, the media of DeSantis, really nobody was criticizing anything DeSantis said on substance. They were talking about, well, he smiles funny. It's like, listen, if that's all you've got, you know, if you don't like how he smiles, then you're losing this argument. Yeah, well, at least he didn't have the lying smirk of uh, Gavin Newsom, who came across as, you know, this really slick politician. And in fact, uh, DeSantis called out Newsom for being a slick, slippery politician and lying to Americans. Uh, listen to this. This is cut seven. That's you supported Obama's reforms. That's Those are facts. They're just simple facts. The you're fact that your greatest contribution, Ron, you are just to this debate is well, shooting listen, people with backpacks. I don't mind. I mean, that's so inhumane. I don't mind so him lying to me. I don't mind Gavin lying to me, but I do mind him lying to you. Uh, he is sitting there <laughs> saying that Joe Biden is willing to solve this problem. Is there anybody out there that actually believes this? Support Joe Biden plan. created this problem. So if he's plan. willing to lie to you about that, you know he's lying to you about all these other facts and figures, uh, about all this other stuff. He's just throwing stuff out to see what sticks against yeah. the wall. This is a slick, slippery politician yeah. whose state is failing, people are leaving his state, and he's trying to run interference right. for his failure. And Bill Mitchell, I thought that was also one of the strongest points that Ron DeSantis said, where he said, I don't mind if he's lying to me, like, I can handle it, but I do mind that he's lying to you. And that was all that Gavin Newsom did. I mean, even with the the facts that were displayed on graphics from Sean Hannity that were well-sourced, Gavin Newsom just ignored that and just said, oh, well, that's false. That's false. I, I I reject that. And and had no sources to back up anything that he said and just spouted this nonsense that Ron DeSantis just called him to the mat on. And, and I loved seeing that clash. Yeah, DeSantis was bringing the receipts all night, literally. And, um, you know, here's the thing that I remember back in the 2016 campaign when Governor or not Governor, but President Trump said, you know, I am your voice. That was an epic moment. Um, and I think that last night, Governor DeSantis, I, th- I think the baton was, was passed. The Governor DeSantis became our voice to stand up for um, America's conservative and moderate values uh, in America. And, you know, one, one moment that's not being talked about that much, but I think it was a real head-nodding moment, was when he brought up, uh, showed the picture of the, the – um, like a cartoon book or comic book that was being uh, peddled in elementary schools that was promoting the, the gay lifestyle very graphically, very X-rated, where it couldn't even be shown on TV. And, uh, you know, he was talking about uh, parents' rights and so on and so forth. And, and I think all across America that there were lots of parents sitting in the living rooms nodding their heads, yes. I call it a head-nodding moment where people are listening to someone and almost involuntarily, they're, yeah, 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 okay, I get that, yeah, I get that. And people forget that with these polls that have Trump so far ahead, these preposterous polls, that, you know, half of that support in those polls is looking for an exit ramp. 
You know, he's only about 20 or 25 percent committed core support. The rest of the people, it's all name recognition. You know, it's all I'm not engaged yet. Yeah. You know, I feel bad for the guy. I've got some mold of the guy. Sure. You know, he's my guy. But these people are looking for an exit ramp. And I think that last night, uh, Governor DeSantis gave people an excellent reason to take that exit ramp and to vote for him instead of Trump. And Bill Mitchell, I think that that's an interesting way to put it in terms of passing the baton. And and I think that that for those of us and, you know, myself personally included, um, my listeners know that I support Governor DeSantis. And I do think that um, personally, he is the best choice in terms of a candidate for a primary because of all of the reasons that we're discussing. And it's not that the that, that we're not appreciative um you and i and, and and those who support desantis of everything that president trump did from 2016 through the end of his term it's that we want to carry that forward into the future and see that the future is with the younger courageous leader that is governor desantis and i think that that really is a very excellent way to put it in terms of passing the baton because one of the things that was very clear last night as well was that this these two governors really are the futures of their individual parties because they are the ones who are leading their respective states. And Gavin Newsom very, very clearly made the case by not responding to any of the questions and by really not having any substantive defenses for the decline in California, where Governor DeSantis was talking about the Florida model. And I think everyone, especially before the presidential primary got so contentious, Uh, was saying, yeah, we want America to look more like Florida in terms of all of the protections, the economy, the the robust conservatism, and and all of what uh, the policies that Governor DeSantis has brought to that state, including what you mentioned, which I thought as well was a very powerful moment, with holding up that picture from uh, from a book. And, and, and of course, Newsom was trying to get in those ridiculous talking points like, you're banning all of these books. And, and Governor DeSantis just said, nope, that one's not banned. That one's not banned. And then it even went further where Governor Newsom was trying to suggest, well, we don't have any of that stuff till middle school. And I'm thinking, okay, you're sitting there and your best defense is we're not indoctrinating kids until middle school. I mean, this really does resonate with parents. And so how much do you think this actually helped in terms of the passing the baton to Governor DeSantis from people who may still be very emotionally attached to Donald Trump and feel for him for what he's going through, don't like the weaponization of government, but don't necessarily want to see what what I've been calling kind of more of a a revenge tour that that seems to be more all about him and the legal issues versus what we saw with Governor DeSantis, that this was truly a hopeful and inspiring message that really was much more like the 2016 version of Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, I don't think, you know, I don't think that uh, my target, at least in, in my orbit here, is not the hardcore Macedonians, you know, the hardcore uh, cult of personality uh, Trumpist, because, you know, to convert them overnight to a DeSantis supporter would be like, you know, converting a liberal to a conservative. And although that's possible and it's happened, I wouldn't bet the bank on it, you know, happening. So my target is basically um, those people uh, that are uh, in the middle who voted for Trump before because he was a better choice than Biden but aren't committed to Trump the personality. 
You know, they were, they've always liked the idea of MAGA. They're behind MAGA. They want to get that MAGA agenda done. That's their primary concern. And, and those I know, you know, like yourself and myself, who were former big Trump supporters, we were some of the biggest, Faisal, we were mm-hmm. some of the biggest that have switched over. It's because we never were uh, addicted to Trump the man. It was never about Trump the man. It was about the, the MAGA agenda. And the Trump was the, the best guy in our minds to get that done. So we were on board with him. But, but now that we've got a better choice with Governor DeSantis, younger, better family life, less drama, less difficulties, doesn't face all the insurgencies that Trump faces, is, uh, you know, can serve two terms, is, you know, just uh, a better, far better legislator. I mean, face it, you know, he's going to have to to whip Congress to get things done. Trump never had that ability because he doesn't understand legislation. Governor DeSantis is brilliant. He understands it at the granular level. I think as far as actually running the back office of the presidency, Governor DeSantis is much better equipped. Trump is like, it's like taking your car in to get the car worked on. Do you take your car into the salesman out front with a $1,000 suit and a big smile, or are you taking the mechanic in the back who's fixed a 1,000 cars? You take it to the mechanic in the back, and that's what America needs right now is a mechanic to fix this country because we are on the brink. I mean, it, it's been like end of days out there. We are on the, on the brink right now, and we need somebody that on a practical day-to-day basis, back office, can fix this country. I think Governor DeSantis is the answer on that. I don't think Donald Trump is. So do you think, uh, Bill Mitchell, that Governor DeSantis missed an opportunity to respond directly to the question of polls? Because I think that for some of these people who aren't, I mean, and let's face it, there are some people who, who just will not vote for Trump, period, in the primary. They're not going to be converted. And there are some people that will absolutely vote for Trump in the primary. They're not going to be converted. But for the people in the middle who genuinely are looking at get conservatism they're looking they're voting values not personality you know, some some of these other things we've been discussing um some response has been from from people who've written into the show or that i've that i've heard have said well isn't trump inevitable because of the polls did governor DeSantis miss that opportunity last night when uh, governor newsom said well you know you're you're 40 points behind even in your own state and he kind of let that moment hang what i would have loved to see him respond and say well how did that work out for you and and hillary clinton in 2016 i mean you know some kind of pushback in terms of the polls where he just kind of ignored that moment was that a mistake well the the problem that he got is he could have given pushback you know he could have talked about scientific uh, random sampling who's paying for these polls what are they using as a basis for their calling? You've got a 1% response rate to polls. You need a 90% response rate for scientific. But I, I think you need a little loss of the crowd. It would have been too wonkish um, for everybody. Um, I think that, uh, you know, let's look back at 2008. At this point in 2008, according to Gallup, Hillary Clinton was 29 points ahead of Barack Obama. Well, we know that Hillary Clinton did not become president that year. Um, so uh, the polls at this point are largely name recognition. Uh, people are not engaged yet. Um, there are a lot of people on the fence that are, de- you know, t- making their default choice. You know, it's, it's kind of like being engaged versus a week before you get married. You know, you can say, yeah, we're engaged, you know, we're making the wedding plans. Stuff. But when it comes down to like a few days before the marriage, all of a sudden it's like, my God, I'm really going to do this thing. You know, do I really want to do this? And I think that once people get to that point where I'm really going to pull the, uh, the lever, who am I going to pull it for? I, I think that you're going to have these people that, 
you know, because Trump is really the titular incumbent here to the Republican Party. Most people consider him the incumbent. So uh, if he is, uh, you know, he got 94 percent of the Republican vote in 2020. If he's looking at 55, 60 percent of the vote right now, that's very bad for um, a, basically an incumbent. He should be at 90, 95 percent, just like he was before. So you have a lot of people that are really looking for an accident. They just need a reasonable opportunity. And I think the last night gave them a chance to, to get to know that. So um, as far as not getting into the, the depths of the polls, you know, uh, polls, the only thing that you can count on with polls uh, in November, December is they're wrong <laughs> because they've always been, you can count on them being wrong. As a matter of fact, they're almost contrarian indicators where whoever is leading the polls in late November, December is going to lose, you know, so um, I think those will turn around. I think that we'll see a major shift probably about two weeks out from Iowa because none of these pollsters want to miss by 30 points in Iowa. It'll probably be a single digit, maybe a five point race, just like it was with uh, Trump and Cruz. And uh, Trump went into Iowa with a five point lead and Cruz won by like three or four points. So, so um, Iowa is almost impossible to poll because you only have 25 percent turnout there. And it's a caucus, and you have peer pressure and all these different things. And DeSantis has got tremendous ground game, and Trump doesn't, and that's what it's all about. So um, I, I think that uh, Governor DeSantis, once he wins Iowa, and I believe very strongly that he will, um, I think that uh, it's going to turn this whole uh, race on its head. And, and like I said, you know, uh, 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 this, um, Obama was trailing Hillary badly, 29 points. You know, across the board, he won Iowa, and then it all turned around. I mean, look at the RCP average. Look at before Iowa and after Iowa, completely different race. And I think that's what we're going to be looking at here as well. And Bill Mitchell, um, you spoke about messaging as well and how um, those who are, you know, the reasonable conservatives and who are values voters are are looking for uh, that alternative. And, you know, you do have the 100 percent name recognition of Trump. And last night gave a clear contrast uh, between not just a red versus blue, but also some of the messaging, I think, that was a very clear contrast uh, in terms of what people maybe haven't heard yet from Governor DeSantis and seeing his actual plan, seeing his defense of conservatism. But one thing that I think is really interesting is that not a lot of people seem to actually be hearing um, or recognizing some of the messaging from the Trump campaign that is, quite frankly, uh, very vulgar and and very sexually explicit. Uh, very, very isn't it weird? Very yeah, and, and it is. And and I want to just read this really quick in just the last couple minutes I have with you. I mean, last night before the debate, the spokesperson for Trump's campaign tweeted, Ron DeSantis is thirsty AF and we all know what that stands for. I'm not going to repeat it here. But um, but the 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 campaign actually said, quote, Ron DeSanctimonious is acting like a thirsty third rate only fans want to be model than an actual presidential candidate. And to to compare Governor DeSantis as as their political opposition to to a porn star, I mean that's just that's it's very disgusting. Disgusting and sexual. I mean that's not for that's not for, for you know, that's not even R rated. I mean that's right. not for public consumption. It, it was it was weird, you know. I, I really thought so too, and I and I think that a lot of the people who are voting for right now, or you know, who are supporting uh, President Trump's campaign, and they're and they're talking about you know the America First agenda, the MAGA stuff that we all still support. Um, I wonder if a lot of these voters are actually seeing 
what the campaign advisors like like Roger Stone, who called Casey DeSantis the C word on social media, um, some of these and and for Stephen Chung, who's actually a spokesperson of Governor DeSantis or for uh, sorry, for Donald Trump, um, saying this about Governor DeSantis using this type of vulgar rhetoric. Um, that really should, I think, resonate, especially with the evangelical base that wants to return to a moral premise and who has voted our values over the last, um, you know, as long as as long as we could vote, we voted our values and hoped that in 2016 Donald Trump would rise above his past. But we're seeing that this this type of rhetoric and vulgarity and sexuality isn't just in the past anymore. This is upfront. It's brash. It's vulgar, and I think, quite frankly, disgusting and has no place in political campaigns and certainly not on a presidential level. But Bill Mitchell, I really appreciate your time, and we will be right back with more here on Jenna Ellis in the morning to break down the red versus blue debate. If you're like most of us, you're paying way too much for healthcare. That's why I want to tell you about a ministry that has been meeting the healthcare needs of hundreds of thousands of Christians, and that's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. Christian Healthcare Ministries is cost sharing made easy. For over 40 years, this unique model has allowed believers to choose their own doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods, since they are not insurance, but a faith-based alternative to insurance. Members not only get advantage from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. It all starts with a visit to chministries.org AFR. That's chministries.org AFR. Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving health share ministry, serving all 50 states. Share the good news with a friend, too. chministries.com slash AFR. Make the switch today with anytime enrollment. Welcome back to Jenna Ellis in the Morning on American Family Radio. Thousands of jobs, thousands of businesses. We had our kids in school. He had the kids locked out of school because of the teachers union. That is having a generational impact. California has one of the lowest literacy rates in the country. In the most recent NAEP exam, Florida came in number three for fourth grade reading. California was far, far behind. So that was Governor DeSantis talking about the uh, COVID response differences between Florida and California last night on the debate stage uh, with this contrast between red versus blue. So I want to invite in my next guest, uh, Robin Biro, who is a true blue Democrat and who was an Obama campaign staffer. And uh, Robin, you know, we had uh, previewed together on on air um, a couple of days ago this uh, this debate. And so overall, um, I, I want to get your overall thoughts and then get into some of the specifics. How did you think that Governor Newsom did in terms of uh, the the contrast here and the defense of the Democrat Party? You know, I was actually surprised that Governor Newsom went so hard to bat for the Biden administration. And I need to be honest with you, he did a better job of going to bat for Joe Biden than Joe Biden does of going to bat for Joe Biden. (laughs) Um, 
Well, he can speak legibly, so there's that. But yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did a more, a better, a, just a better job in general. Um, I mean, I got a better idea of what the heck Bidenomics is just from living listening to Governor Newsom. Uh, so, I do think that in some respects, he's running a shadow campaign, um, as Ron DeSantis has alleged, as kind of we all know. Um, just in case something happens, God forbid, to Joe Biden, our president. Uh, I think that he's setting himself up either to run in 2024 or 2028. I think that Gavin Newsom did a respectable job. I think he could have been more prepared. I believe he walked in there with some swagger last night uh, and kind of, you know, let his guard down. I think that he thought that, you know, being the seasoned politician that he is, that maybe he didn't need to do as much debate prep because uh, Governor DeSantis kept him on his toes, Jenna. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. And I think that he came in, um, Gavin Newsom, seemingly like it was just sort of an off the cuff um, kind of regular media hit uh, for, for lack of a, of a better uh, yeah. contrast there. And and DeSantis really came prepared with all of the facts ready, I mean, loaded for bear, just ready to be on the defense. And there was a really clear moment, I think, as well, when Sean Hannity pushed uh, Gavin Newsom on the um, extreme abortion uh, rhetoric that that he has pushed and really trying to ask him about banning late-term abortions. Um, this is cut five. There be, would you support a ban on abortion in seven, eighth, or ninth month for, if, the, the if, if the mother's life is, is not in jeopardy? Extreme, extreme exception. People aren't going on and having abortions. Should it be illegal unless then? Unless something if devastating has happened. Should it be it illegal? should be up to the mother and her doctor and her conscience. And it so almost the answer is always, no restriction. I, I've already answered it. And I'll, no and I'll just reinforce it to cover okay. up. And he never actually answered it. I mean, he answered it, I think, maybe by not answering it. But, I mean, this this was something that I was very surprised that Newsom was so... I thought this was his worst response, was about the late-term abortions because the Democrat position generally has... has they, they've tried to say is just um, for the the protections of choice or whatever from um, from really the the beginning before a woman even knows she's pregnant. But talking about the late-term abortions, I mean, in my former home state of Colorado, you can have an abortion up until the moment of birth. And for Gavin Newsom to only say that, you know, oh, this is just, you know, the really, really extreme rare exceptions, that's just fundamentally false. It's not true, borne out by all of um, the what we have in terms of uh, the statistics on uh, pro-life issues. And so I thought he did a very bad job defending Democrats looking reasonable on the issue of abortion. Yeah, and I've had some confusion about this myself, so I've had to ask some friends to help make sense of this issue. Uh, and the way that they've explained it to me is, is, look, Gavin Newsom did say, you know, in extreme rare cases, but he didn't say that there would be any legislation to to back that up. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, and when I when I went to my friends to have them explain that to me, they basically said, "Look, they can't do that because then it's going to be litigated to heck in the courts uh, by by pro life activists, uh, and every woman's going to have her very personal decision litigated by a bunch of men in a courtroom." Uh, so, I mean, I guess I understand, but it's not. He didn't give a very good answer at all, in my opinion, on that. Just by saying, you know, oh, only in rare exceptions. That's not true because. He didn't back any back that up with any 
promises of any legislation. Right. And, and, and really, he did not give a definitive response about the Democrat Party and his own personal position as the governor of California with no. uh, with how California looks at abortion. And so if Democrats really are very much for uh, pro-choice, why would Gavin Newsom not have a very clear, articulate response on why they have that position? I mean, I think from, from being pro-life and obviously having a conservative position that we need to protect life from the moment of conception all the way until natural death, that uh, this is kind of a sleight of hand from the Democrat Party, that they want to appear to be reasonable on the issue of abortion. But when you actually try to pin down some of these leaders of the Democrat Party, then they can't give a response. Um, So and that was also true for the covid issue as well. I mean, I didn't I thought that Gavin Newsom for a lot of these things, he didn't have substantive responses for his own policies. All he did was turn around and attack Governor DeSantis uh, and a lot of it was just with lies. I did not think that was very effective. Did you? Yeah. Let me take the COVID part first. Uh, he did. He did just attack uh, Governor DeSantis on on COVID based off of his own record. Uh, and what for the audience? What he basically alleged was that uh, Governor DeSantis was very strict on COVID lockdowns and COVID procedures until it became unpopular, uh, and then he changed his opinion. Um, that may have been the case. Look, I'm not. I wasn't a fan of the lockdowns. I have two school-aged children um, who were adversely affected, frankly, uh, with you know two years of virtual learning. Um, their social skills are way off. Uh, their development is way off. You know, they ended up getting COVID anyways. Um, but we could argue all day long whether or not it was effective or the right thing to do. I think it did save lives in the long run, but. You know, look at look at what it's done to our children and their development. I'm not really so sure that it was worth it. Um, but again, the cost of saving a human life, perhaps we could argue that it was worth it. Um, but back to the back to the abortion part was the first part of your question. Like I said, he I, I don't like that there's been so much deflection and. and uh, that that I myself had to ask my friends, can you explain what's going on with this? Because I've never really heard a good, clear indication. Uh, and, it, and it took a lawyer friend to, to explain to me that 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 if it were to be, if there were to be law saying that that uh, restrictions based up on the seventh month uh, late term abortion, abortion, that it would be litigated to eternity until the baby was just born and in some cases taking the mother's life, things like that. I mean, I get it in those rare exceptions, uh, but it's, it's, we've never had a very clear position on that. And I think that is damaging to the Democratic Party. Yeah. And so overall, um, Robin Biro, who is um, a former Barack Obama campaign director and uh, U.S. Army uh, Ranger veteran, and, and we appreciate your service uh, to this Thank country you, and to the military, um, as always. Um with Gavin Newsom being such an advocate for the Biden-Harris campaign and policies last night, um, is this the best future of the Democratic Party? I mean, as as a Democrat yourself watching this last night, is this the best future of your party? 
It's funny you should say that. There was a question that went viral on Reddit yesterday that asked what was cool in 2013 that is no longer cool in 2023. And I responded that and said the Democratic Party. Uh, because in, 20, in 2013, we had Barack Obama as president, arguably a way cooler president than Joe Biden. Uh, and you, you look around kind of at all of our leaders in the Democratic Party. Are any of them very likable right now? Are any of them getting young voters energized? I would argue not that much. Gavin Newsom may be the best that we've got as far as that goes because he is well-spoken. He's attractive. He's got a nice, pleasant voice. He's charismatic. He's from California. He ticks some of those boxes, but he's no Barack Obama. Uh, he's no Beta or Rourke who can energize young crowds. So I think we've got a problem generationally going forward in the Democratic Party about a lack of, of politicians, frankly, who can energize the emerging electorate, those young voters, uh, in a way that we used to do just a decade ago. And from uh, from your pr- perspective as a Democrat watching this debate, uh, what did you think in terms of Governor DeSantis's performance overall and what the GOP has to choose from between uh, really, I, I think this is a two man race between Donald Trump and Governor DeSantis. Um, was do you think that he persuaded uh, the the voters in terms of the GOP to to come away from the Trump camp? And, and did he did he perform well? He did perform well, uh, and I would argue that this was the best thing that he could do in light of former President Trump just flat-out refusing to to debate anybody on the GOP debate stage, uh, which I think is a mistake. Uh, And I think that DeSantis needed this. He needed some levity uh, for his campaign. You know, I've seen polls saying that Nikki Haley is in the number two spot. I I'm from South Carolina. I kind of don't believe that, to be honest with you. I don't think that she's all that charismatic. Um, she had some good policies as governor in South Carolina, but I just I'm, I don't see people as passionate about her campaign as I do Rhonda Sanders' campaign. Um, and the fact that the Koch brothers just backed Nikki Haley, I think is going to actually hurt her um, because that's part of the establishment that people are looking to get rid of, frankly, in the Republican Party, the, the people that control the purse strings. And nobody does that better than the Koch brothers. So I think that's that's actually going to hurt Nikki Haley. Uh, and this, the, the I, I think this actually hurt Donald Trump in a way because it showed him in some respects, and I know I'm going to rile some people in your audience, but it showed former President Trump to be a little bit cowardly because he just won't debate anybody. Because, frankly, he thinks that he doesn't need to. I get it. He's got everything to lose by debating Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or some of the others. Um, (laughs) But but, but people are used to Donald Trump being a fighter and they're saying, okay, well, why won't he go in and defend his record? And I think that that really was on display last night when you see two of the younger governors who really are the futures of their party. And and for Governor DeSantis to take on Gavin Newsom, that really is a a really big contrast. So Robin Biro, thanks so much for your comments. And um, if you missed the debate, you know, you missed some really good clash. I encourage you to go back and actually watch that because we saw the very clear differences between worldview and ideology of the purpose of government on display. See you on uh, Monday morning here on Jenna Ellis in the morning. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. 
I want to thank my sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest serving health cost sharing ministry, helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.